Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. We got the cup. Duck and yellow, duck and yellow. You want to talk about a team? This is a team. You guys wanted it. We got it. Let's have some fun. Cue the memories presented by Bud Light. What's up, everyone, and welcome into the inaugural episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. I am Bruins digital reporter Eric Russo, and I will be your host over the next couple of months as we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the 2011 Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins. Hard to believe it's been 10 years since that magical team, that magical run, but we will mark that anniversary, and I will have alongside me for the duration former Bruins defenseman, 2011 Stanley Cup champion, number 21, follow him on Twitter, at Furnuckle. Andrew Ferns. Yeah, even the proper pronunciation there, Russo. The old Fairknuckle loves a good walk down nostalgia lane. And uh, even though we've stayed in decent touch with some of the old guys, it's, it's going to be nice to hop on Zoom and, and uh, have this podcast and, and reminisce about the good old days uh, 10 years ago. It is actually quite unbelievable. But uh, look, looking forward to this. Crazy. I'm excited too. I, I know I've told you this before. You've heard me say it. I know you just had a birthday recently, so I'm not trying to make you feel old again, but I was only a senior in high school for that run in 2011. I remember rushing out of graduation to get home in time for game four against the Canucks. So that summer and spring holds a special place in my heart. So I can only imagine what it's like for you guys. So I'm just so looking forward to hearing some of those stories and those behind the scenes memories uh, from, from you guys in that run that, that I'm sure I would have loved to, to know as a 17-year-old kid. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, a lot has been told. There's lots of stories, uh, probably most of them uh, exaggerated by us, <laughs> but which, that's, which is just fine. But I think there's a lot that's untold, right? And I think that's kind of the, the part that I'm looking forward to is digging a little deeper into probably some stuff from my teammates I didn't even know about, right? We got to know each other. We're brothers. We spend all, every day of our lives together for a few years while we're, while we're playing together as teammates. Um, but there's probably still a lot that I missed and a lot about them that I don't know. And uh, that's the part I'm really looking forward to is actually selfishly just, uh, like I said, reminiscing, but getting to know some of my buddies uh, even better. And over the next couple of months, we will welcome in a different member of the 2011 Stanley Cup championship team. And this week, our inaugural guest, one of your former defense partners, number 54, Adam McQuaid. And how we'll start every episode is uh, you and I will share a personal anecdote of our guest. So what do you have about Mr. McQuaid? Oh man, yeah, we did spend a lot of time together. Uh, me and Quader were partners, uh, you know, for most of the season, you know, from a fan's point of view, you're up in the stands and you're watching Quader just destroy guys, you know, he dropped the gloves. He's, he's uh, uh, always in there quick to, for a good fight. And he's, you know, lighting guys up with big hits and he's just a good, strong, big defenseman. But Quader is, you know, to me as a teammate, this dude from Prince Edward Island who's so polite and so nice and friendly and just like the opposite of the dude that's absolutely just pummeling some guy off the Canadians you know, with, <laughs> with a good fight. So uh, the, the funny story I have about Quader, when I think about Quader, um, it's probably like his first year, second year, we'd go out there and, you know, have a shift and we're just each, you know, playing as hard as we can. And we're trying to, you know, do as good as we can as a, as a pair out there on the ice. And, you know, there might've been like a bouncy pass or something like that, or some kind of like, like tiny mistake. And I could always guarantee that Quater would come off and like, first thing he would do, it would be like, apologize to me. He'd be like, Hey, sorry, fair. Sorry. Sorry. That was a bouncy pass. <laughs> He'd be apologizing for some like minuscule mistake that I probably made like 15 of in the same shift. And so like driving his like 
niceness out of him <laughs> was like my number one priority like as a as a veteran and him being like a young guy i'm like dude you gotta stop being so nice you gotta quit apologizing for like every mistake because then I feel bad because I give you a bad pass and there's no way you're getting an apology out of me. So <laughs> he's just, that's, that's what I, what I think of Quater. Well, that's what I think of too. One of the great guys I've had a chance to work with in my time with the Bruins when I started full-time in 2016, he was one of the first guys to really embrace me and make me feel welcome. And part of the group, one of the first guys to, to learn my name and get to know me a little bit. So I've always appreciated that. It's always been great to be around him. Uh, even these days, now that he's retired, uh, always a great guy to talk to, and we will talk to him right after this on the inaugural episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. Cue the Memories, brought to you by Bud Light. Score exclusive merch and more at BudLightLegends.com. And welcome back to the inaugural episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light as we celebrate the 2011 Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins. And joining us now, we're so happy to have alongside number 54, Adam McQuaid. What's up, Quader? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. This is going to be cool. Quader, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, Fair. It's good to see you. It's so nice to reconnect. Uh, obviously, one of my favorite guys because we spent so much quality time together, but uh, one of the nicest guys I've ever played with. <laughs> and, and I say that with all sincerity. They, they bring him up right in Prince Edward Island, and it's a, a real pleasure. I know we, we talked uh, probably about a month ago and got caught up on a bunch of things, and uh, why don't you let us know, like, where are you at? Like, what's, uh, what's going on with Quater's life? You got a family now. You're, you're all growing up. I think you look better now than you did back then, uh, minus the mullet and whatnot. But uh, you're looking great, and life is good, right? Life is good. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep up to you. You set the bar high, so. Yeah, well. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I'm doing good. I, um, I've been living in Boston. You know, we had a son uh, in the new year, and getting to spend a lot of quality time with him, and really enjoying that part of my life right now. And we're back in Canada right now, hoping to get through our, <laughs> get through our, our quarantine here, and. <laughs> enjoying this time right now as a family. I, I said one of my selfish goals for this is to try to like get to know some of my buddies a little bit better uh, <laughs> because you know why you're in the locker room you talk about a very limited number of things right but um, so we'll touch on maybe like uh, you know how you get from PEI all the way to winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, man it's been 10 years since we won the cup. It's insane. I threw the DVD in for the kids the other night and, <laughs> and had some reminiscing it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, Luch sends me YouTube clips of like highlight videos from some of our games from that time. It's been a blast. Like, have you been down, you know, memory lane? Is that like, uh, is that in your, in your style of, of like going back and just reminiscing and thinking about good times? And if so, like, what have you liked to watch? And like, what, what are you, uh, what are you really digging on it? You know, when I, when I was like, I'm recently retired, it's been almost a couple of years since my last game. And Really, it wasn't until, you know, around this time last year when they started playing all the reruns of 2011 playoff run that I had really, well, really watched the games and allowed myself, like, an opportunity to reflect on it. Because I kind of felt like when I was playing, I never wanted, I just kind of wanted to keep looking forward. I didn't want to, like, I thought maybe it might make me complacent, you know, like, if I thought too much about those things. But it's been really cool to think back and in some ways, like, you know, like you said, it's been 10 years. So in some ways it's like, wow, like that, it seems like a lifetime ago, but then you rewatch things and you can put yourself right back in those moments and those feelings. And for me, like watching back the games, I think obviously that Montreal series was just like 
going down 2-0, crawling our way back, going to Lake Placid between games in Montreal and hanging out with the guys there and being on the ice when Horty scored in game seven to, to beat the Canadians in the first round. Like that feeling, like watching it, I got that feeling back again. And then when Marshy put the fourth goal, like the empty net goal to seal game seven in Vancouver, I, I think for me, I don't know about you, but until that goal went in, like there, there was still in my back of my mind, it was like, okay, like, you got to keep playing. You got to keep playing. It's not over. It's not over. When he put the fourth one in, like with a couple minutes left, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to happen. So uh, those are a couple moments that really stood out to me. And I don't know, now that I'm done playing, it's like, it's just, it's so neat to have been able to experience that. Cause not, not everyone gets to go through those things. Yeah, man. I totally know what you mean. That empty net goal for me, I tell people, you know, say what's the best part of winning the cup. And I say that last, like whatever it was, two minutes or, you know, two and a half minutes of whatever time was left on the clock uh, after the empty net goal until the final buzzer went was my favorite time of the entire thing because <laughs> and that was the moment we all just kind of let our guard down and actually let like emotions like come in and get excited. And then it just kind of like built on it like an avalanche and you're looking around and like you're going through this childhood dream come true and then you look next and i'm like oh my god quater's going through the same thing i am and 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 hoods is behind us as a d coach and he's going through the same thing right and it's just this collective like oh my god that that couple minutes on the bench before the final buzzer went was my favorite time just to look around and see everybody going through the the kind of amazement that i was going yeah it's like that everyone having their aha moments like this is really going to happen and so for me, in some ways, like after we, like when we got back to like Boston, it's like, oh, who do we play next? You know? Like it took, it took some time to like, cause that was just like, all right, on to the next. We're not done yet. We have still have work to do like that kind of focus, but it's pretty neat to do that. So obviously like, you know, you win the cup pretty early in your career and um, you know, not to compare against all your other teams that you played for, but <laughs> we were, uh, you know, for people, you know, maybe we'll play this clip. I'm wearing a t-shirt, a very special t-shirt for our <laughs> inaugural broadcast here. And it's a very little known fact that the Harvard Lampoon named the 2011 Boston Bruins the best sports team ever, ever. (laughs) And I got to say, it's the best sports team I ever played on. So (laughs) maybe they had something going. But man, the bar gets set so high. and, and, And I know, like, for me, it was, you know, a little bit more towards the end of my career. So, you know, I had other teams to compare it to. And, you know, I've been different places. Um, But earlier on in your career, you know, you win a cup, you're on a team like that, that's so close. Um, you know, what's, you know, now looking back, you know, you've been on different teams and with different groups of guys, and sometimes the chemistry is great. Sometimes it, you know, doesn't, doesn't meld. Like what set that team apart? Obviously other than, you know, Tim Thomas standing on his head a few games for us and having some pretty clutch performers, but like in that room, like, you know, looking back on your career, what do you think, you know, what was it? What was the secret sauce? I was kind of oblivious to two things, right? Like, because it was my first, really my first full season and, I just kind of assumed that this was probably, you know, how it was like, it's, it's easy to say like that there was just so much veteran leadership. Like I, I heard a little bit of what you said, like in the intro about how I would come to the bench and, Oh, sorry, you know, sorry, fair. And, and you were so, you know, important in, in my career and early on because you gave me confidence. You know, I kind of felt like I had to apologize because you were a guy that had such you know, experience in the league and maybe I wasn't quite as like confident, you know, and you're just like, dude, like just play. Like I make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. And it was just almost like, kind of like, 
on an equal equal level you know things like that where like thorny telling me like oh yeah and you can yeah you can take that guy like you're like and i'm like dude are you serious like i'm not that i'm not that tough like and you'd be like oh yeah no you, you got it you know like things like that and i think ultimately it came down to like it was like a group of guys that just if we were doing something everyone was doing it not everyone's cut from the same cloth everyone has different interests and different likes but we like we're able to find common ground and respect one another and also just a, a willingness to want to do what it took to win and really ultimately it came down to playing for one another like it's hard to go through a playoff run and to do the things that you need to do the sacrifices you need to make you know from <laughs> a physical standpoint or now that I have a family of my own, I couldn't, you know, families make sacrifices and it's tough to do those things if you're doing them for yourself and to be able to do them for one another, I think kind of set us apart. There's a lot of teams that have good chemistry and good veteran leadership and a good veteran presence. But when did you know that there was a special part of that team that you could, you know, win, that you could win the cup? When did that sort of set in during that season? I mean, I didn't, I honestly, I didn't really know. My, my personal focus was just trying to stay there. Like, you know, it was just a daily come to the rink, trying to earn my spot, trying to soak up what I could. And, you know, I think it was interesting, like the year before that, um, obviously everyone knows like with the Philly series being up 3-0 and then losing, and then they went to the finals and I think they lost in game six. And you know, the, that year was the first time I played a few games. I played some games in the playoffs. And you know, before that, I just kind of, watched as you know really as a fan and watching that that year before and I was like man like we were right there with Philly like we lost in game seven we were up 3-0 like that could have been us in the finals and it's interesting like you start realizing how close like you can be and and the margin for error and so it was like I think once we got past Montreal like that was a pretty big weight off our shoulders like going down 2-0 and crawling our way back and winning in overtime. I think we were just kind of playing with house money from there on. It was just like, let's just, let's just go do this. Like we got nothing to lose kind of thing. And, and we obviously had something to prove playing Philly in the next round. So different moments like that. So we get all the way to, you know, having that special team, but we get to game seven of the Stanley cup finals, which is like insane, right. For anybody to experience that uh, is a pretty wild feeling, but to your point, you're, you know, you're a bit robotic at that point. You know, you're trying to, you almost become like, I describe like a sociopath, right? You're locking away your emotions and like. <laughs> totally, totally. A really good way of saying it is like not too high, not too low, but really they could just be like, become a sociopath. That's perfect. That's, <laughs> that's what we want you to be for uh, the playoffs. I haven't heard a term, I haven't heard a term <laughs> that way, but I mean, I, I would, I would agree with that. It, it's hard not to, you know, have a moment, uh, you know, where you are going into game seven of the finals. Did you have anybody in the stands, Vancouver? Yeah, my parents and my brother and sister flew in. Um, the team were, the team was awesome to you know, fly in, you know, guys, families and stuff. And it was really neat to have them there. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but people obviously know how, when you have moments like that, the sacrifices that family members, you know, have made in the past, especially your parents, you know, because it's, it's a lifetime really of going to practice and, you know, paying for registration and tournaments and early morning skates and hockey schools and all these things. So one of those things where you're just like, you share it, right? Like you share that moment with your family because they've supported you and everyone's gone, will have gone through their highs and their lows to get to that point. And thing with, at least with my family was like, they were there to help me through the, the lows and there to celebrate in the highs. So I remember like searching for them because it always watch as a kid, I'd watch when 
guys would be celebrating on the ice with their family and doing an interview and like, you know, maybe have their arm around, you know, their mom or their dad or a sibling or a wife or whatever the case, the kids. So it just like seemed like such a special moment and it was everything that I thought it would be. So Zamboni doors opened up and you found them and like, do you remember like just, was it, did you, did you even have words or what did you guys do? Uh, I, I mean, my mom, my sister were, I could tell they had been crying. Their eyes were red and hugs all around and kind of a like, can you believe this? Like, can you believe, you know, can you believe where we're at right now and what we're doing? And obviously you have that, the initial moments on the ice with the guys, but then as soon as that kind of had passed, like my thought went right to like, oh, like where, where's my family? And even, even afterwards, like when we went into the dressing room, like, I think I was just a little, I was probably maybe a little in shock of the whole thing, but I spent a lot of time with my family in the, in the dressing room and just kind of like a step back and try to take it all in. And then obviously scurry out because of the riots that were going on. But And that's, uh, that's better than me. I think I was, uh, pouring champagne over Nalco. I don't know. <laughs> well, part of me, part of me is like, ah. You're a better, you're better man than me. See, that's what I said. You're just so nice. Like, what do you make us all look bad? No, I mean. <laughs> what did you do for your cup day? You, you go back to PEI and you fill it up with some potatoes. And I did actually. The, I did. And a green gable house. And... <laughs> I did fill it up with potatoes. Um, that is one thing I did, but yeah. So we brought it back, brought it back to PEI and, um, it was a full day. Like it's one of those things, right. Where, I mean, if I could go back and do it again, I, I might, I may have tried to slow the, the day down a bit, but it's funny because it's one of those things where like people, people always give the advice after like a big day. Like people say like on, on your wedding day or you know, the birth of a child, whatever, like big moments in your life, graduation, like, you know, oh, take, take some time to like take a step back and soak it all in. And like, you can't like you can't do that it's just like there's too much going on so um we did we did a bit of a parade through my hometown um shared the cup with got pictures with a bunch of people took it out something really special for me was took the cup out to um where my father grew up uh riverdale prince edward island just kind of basically like farm country more or less and uh, there'd been four four generations that had had lived there so for me I was just like I felt kind of felt the family history when I was there and just was really neat to have the cup there I couldn't help but think back like like oh I wonder if my great-grandfather my grandfather ever imagined you know that like the Stanley Cup would be on their property and that their grandson or great-grandson would be the one to bring it there and I always felt a lot of pride in where I grew up and to be able to bring the cup back home was really really special for me yeah well dude like how many people from PEI have won the cup uh are you the first one there's been no there's been a like Brad Richards, you know, I don't know that I don't know the <laughs> exact answer. But like, but like a couple. Yeah, yeah, like, not many, yeah, not many. Really, yeah, that's really yeah. special. Yeah. And that was a cool thing too. Like I was, I've got to know Brad a little bit, you know, since. But he, he's not that much older than me. But I was 16, I think, when he won the cup the first time and brought it to PEI, and it felt. I mean, I was 24, so it was eight years later. I had the cup myself, and it felt like just the day before that I was in that crowd, like watching him lift the cup to be doing that myself. Like it was, it was surreal. Like really was. Yeah. It's fantasy world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I believe, weren't you responsible for a certain t-shirt and maybe a certain nickname that was associated with Adam McQuaid that year? Man, I was looking for it. I, I, <laughs> as opposed to this one, I should have worn my Darth Quader shirt, but it's uh, somewhere, in the, it's probably in the laundry or something. I wear it every, you know, every week. <laughs> you know, I actually had it on earlier this year. I know, I know you have it. I have it. I just can't find it. I don't know. It's, it's in my closet or something. But the Darth Quader, so like, obviously, like, you know, Adam, you'd probably you know, he's the dude with the mullet that beats people up. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, he's super tough, right? Like, so like, I think a lot of fans associated with the mullet. It was, it was a lovable mullet. It looked good. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time conditioning it in the shower, you know, and <laughs> hair, hair, you had the hair dryer out, you know, to, to fluff it up. And so, you know, as, as any good teammate would, uh, you know, stands the, the times of history and you got to make a t-shirt out of the mullet. Uh, but for, for Quater, like, we didn't really have, like, I think we just called you Quater, like, just because hockey players are, you know, inherently, you know, uncreative. And we just, like, <laughs> added E to somebody's name. Or, <laughs> we don't really have, like, very, yeah, very, like, inventive nicknames. And so Quaid, you know, Adam McQuaid just turned into Quater. And for whatever dumb reason, like, I don't even, we never called him Darth Quater or anything like that. I think it just kind of crossed my mind one day. And I thought that'd be a funny T-shirt. And uh, I think I had like a crappy version of Photoshop on my on my computer and the internet was emerging with like customize anything and you could put in a custom t-shirt order. So I think I, yeah, I just showed up with a Darth Quader shirt one day. He was my partner, right? So, you know, I thought it'd be funny. Fair, you were, Fair was the ringleader on like things like this. Like he would show up with like just something to like lighten the mood, you know, like get a laugh at a guy, bring guys together. So I can remember when he showed up at that, I just like, I nearly died because it was, it was so funny. And we should, we probably should touch on the fact that like, you're the one to thank for the mullet. Yeah. Did I encourage that? It's, it's back in style now too. You should probably bring it back. Cause yes, I you... heard the other day that it's actually back. <laughs> I'm married now. So I have someone that gives me proper advice. I'm not, I'm not on my own to make poor decisions like that anymore. But you were, I don't know if you remember this, but Eastbound and Down, Kenny Powers, right? Oh, that yeah. Was, that, yeah. yeah. that was the popular show at the time. My, my hair was like kind of longer, curly. And you were like, Dude, you you would have the perfect Kenny Powers hair. You have the perfect Kenny Powers. If you cut, cut your hair on the top, it'd be perfect. And then I I can't remember exactly. It was some kind of a like some kind of bet or something. And then so then we go to the cuts for a cause, and you're like, dude, just like this is the chance. Like just just kind of shave the top, leave the back. You can you can shave the back off later. Just like just so see what it looks like. And I'm like. Of course, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? Then we end up winning, and I can't not cut my hair. It was a hit. <laughs> it was a hit, man. And we should all recognize the fact that we probably shouldn't strive to be like Kenny Powers other than <laughs> hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not too many redeeming qualities other than good hair. But uh, I actually forgot about that. That was like some subtle peer pressure. So I, I hope you... I hope you actually like the mullet because I would feel bad if you were kind of like uh, <laughs> resentful. But I, I, that thing was beautiful. <laughs> no, no resentment. I just think it's one of those things that like people, like all the guys, are like yeah, man, it's awesome. Like it's awesome because it's you, not me. <laughs> one of those yes. things. But a hundred percent. I mean, it it lives on. It lives on yeah. if you follow our social channels, our fans. They love it. They want it back. When we were doing the watch with the Bruin last spring, a lot of the comments wondering when that mullet's coming back. And I'm sure those t-shirts, those t-shirts are alive somewhere too. So my final question for you, Equator, is obviously you factor in huge on Horty's goal there. 
when you're pinching down the wall, are you thinking at all about the pros and cons? Or are you, are you all in at that moment when you're pinching down the wall there? Um, I don't, I mean, my job, like I remember my job off a of face off if it played out the way it did was that I was supposed to pinch down the wall forward was going to cover me. So I didn't think about it. Like I watched it back and I'm just like, man, I am so lucky that that puck did not get by me. Like I wasn't thinking anything other than just like in the moment, thankfully. And uh, <laughs> Luch passed it over to Horty and he puts it in. And man, that was like super exciting to be on the ice for that goal. And that's, that's a memory that sticks out. Like when I think back on my career. I think you are lucky because I, I honestly don't know if Nathan Norton knows how to skate backwards. <laughs> so I would say that good job getting that puck and keeping it in. Yeah, I don't even, I don't know what I was doing on the ice, to be honest with you. I remember I got thrown over. I think like, like I was out there with Z, Luch, Kretsch, and Horty. Like, and I think their top line was on the ice, Camilleri. And I'm, so I don't even know how I ended up out there. Thankfully, it worked. It, it worked out. It worked out in my favor. Great, man. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly did. I think we'll finish with some rapid fire questions here. What do you think, Fair? Yeah, hundred percent, man. Uh, let's do these rapid fires. This is gonna be like an ongoing thing, I think. So, hopefully, by the end of this, we'll we'll all have the same dumb answers because we're not creative, or we'll have some like wildly <laughs> entertaining ones. Uh, but the, the best thing is, at least you get to go first. So it's not like you're just repeating somebody else. Everyone's copying me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There was the night at Foxwoods that everybody everybody knows, everybody's heard of. Who was the one ordering all those Bud Lights that night? Um, probably Johnny Boychuk. He was the big Bud Light guy. He was he was the big everything guy. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. All right. Uh, well, you're still in Boston, so you should have a good one for this. But uh, the go-to spot in Boston to get away from the grind. So it could be back from 2011, or it could be current, man. It's your choice. Uh, yeah. for me, a bit like throughout you know my career in Boston was I would go down to Mike's Pastry I got to know the owners there pretty well and hang out with them and kind of talk about life and on quiet days even though there's not too many quiet days down around there for them but um, that's one one spot for me that I kind of was able to get away and just kind of relax I guess yeah it's always easier to talk about life when you got a good cannoli in your mouth you may have touched on it already but your favorite 2011 goal favorite goal from that run it's hard, it's hard to say i mean i guess for me me personally like being on the ice for that game seven overtime winner against montreal in the first round but then that's really hard to top the marshy put the fourth empty net goal in kind of felt like it sealed the deal and so those, those are two that stick out for me all right this is this is probably the toughest one but the unsung moment from the run Lots get the highlights, you know, people tell the stories, you know, makes the book. But like for you, like something that maybe didn't get all the fanfare. I'll give two guys. I'll give you a shout out uh, for the game seven against Tampa. Zero, zero game. Tampa was playing that, you know, super ridiculous, boring four check. And you kind of came back and corralled the puck, came up the ice, made a nice pass to Kretsch, kind of broke their, broke their four check. And he, he went in and obviously made a nice play to Horty. But I think it all started with, with you there. And obviously a zero, zero game. It's the only, that was, it was a one, one nothing win, zero, zero at that time. So the big play. That game was insane. I, I might be doing this podcast later, and, and that this will be my rapid fire. But God, that was my favorite goal. I just that game. Yeah. Was, <laughs> that game was so crazy. That was probably my favorite hockey game of my entire career. Yeah, it was a good one. And the crowd was absolutely deafening yeah. for the last 
however many it was like it was like 10 minutes or something like that left in the game oh, something man, like that. that but it was insane the, the atmosphere at the garden like i mean that run was just like it'll never like no, nothing i ever do will replicate like that experience that feeling like it was just so cool just like do you remember do you remember like sitting in the dressing room putting your skates on and like hearing the crowd like chanting like let's go bruins and like just like i don't know if they were stomping their feet or what it was but it's just like dude i like the place is going to cave in do you i don't know do you remember that or i honestly felt like i was living in a movie every single like game day <laughs> because i'd like I, I would usually walk I, I lived in the north end and yeah. i'd wa walk to the games right and so like right. i'd pass like yeah i'd pass like bobas and like you know you know pizza regina and like kind of i had my little route right yeah and yeah. so you'd see a lot of the people on the way like from the neighborhood and you'd just you know, like I was like living in some movie, like, yeah, let's go Bruins. <laughs> people just yelling out. And then, like, you know, you're seeing people that you, that you know, and they'd like walk with you for a block and kind of give you a pep talk and this and that. And you get closer yeah. to the garden and there'd be more people. And, and then, yeah, like the whole, the whole game day experience was such a trip. And then sitting in the room, like you said, and it's like, not only do you hear it, but you kind of feel it. Like it's like the right. building's like there's like vibrations, man. Like people yes. are stomping on whatever, and it's just yes. Uh, I, you know, you're trying to play it cool, but man, that was hard to play it cool. That was incredible. You get like little like goosebumps, and, and oh, yeah. uh, it was what a feeling. It was just uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. But like you said, like good luck ever trying to replicate that. Like it's just such right. a unique yeah. moment. Yeah, exactly. Well, from, from someone who was in the stands for a couple of those games, it's good to hear we had a little, maybe a little bit of an effect on what went on during that magical run. Oh, 100%, 100%. Certainly tough to, to replicate uh, the atmosphere in that building during that time and the magical run that it was. Adam, it was great to, to catch up with you and hear so many of those great memories. We appreciate uh, you taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Great to see you guys. Always fun to catch up. Thanks, Quater. Enjoy PEI, pal. Thanks, Fair. Great seeing you, buddy. Love you, man. See ya. See ya. We'll be back to wrap up the inaugural episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light right after this. Cue the Memories, brought to you by Bud Light. Score exclusive merch and more at BudLightLegends.com. All right, we're back to wrap up the inaugural episode of Q the Memories. Andy, that was great. It was great to have Quater on as our first guest. Again, there's just so many great memories from that run and just hearing you guys, you know, recollect and talking about the fans and being able to hear the the raucous TD Garden before the game. Like that that stuff's so cool. It was awesome. Can't can't wait for more as we go along here. I mean, he's such a nice, genuine guy. He really is. He's so nice. Uh, I love that guy, and and he's one of those guys too that you know that he just so he just appreciates it. Like he, every day that he was in the NHL, he appreciated every single day, right? And he got it, and he just understood how special it was. Yeah, so to hear him mm -hmm. kind of recollect about like, yeah, sitting in the locker room and you know hearing the fans like he wasn't one of those like jaded kind of guys that would be like, yeah, whatever, I'm in the NHL, like they should be cheering for me. He was like legit, just so genuine, pumped to hear that and to yeah. experience that. Um, I really liked, yeah. you know, hearing about as a kid, you know, seeing other people win the cup and seeing the families come on the ice. Yeah, I, I can really, you know, connect with that feeling of, yeah, living out kind mm -hmm. of this dream, right? Like of, of seeing other people do it for your whole life and then you get the chance to do it. And, you know, you're seeing, seeing the mom and sister who, you know, <laughs> the red eyes have been crying because they're so happy for their boy. And just amazing to, to hear kind of guys like relive that because, um, you mm -hmm. know, truly a, 
you know, once in a lifetime moment. Absolutely. Right? And such a special group. And we'll hear from, from more of them as we go along here on Cue the Memories. And that's, that's episode one. Episode one in the books. Very nice. Thanks, Farrah. We'll see you soon. Cheers, buddy.